Take me to your leader because the tennis podcast has landed on earth. Hi, I'm Nick Mill. This is the show where every week, myself or my sidekick host bring a top tennis list along with fun facts and trivia. The list is usually fact-based. The other person tries to guess all tennis items on the list in real time with no prior chance to prepare. Today, my guest sidekick host is UFO expert Rob Christofferson from the podcast Our Strange Skies. Rob, how are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Thank you for inviting me on. I, I remember, I think it was a couple of years ago, I gave you guys a list mm-hmm. and you used it. So uh, it feels good to be on here. <laughs> I was going to mention that. Yeah. yeah. If the listeners recognize the name Rob or the name Our Strange Skies, it's because Rob, I looked it up, episode 76 uh, was the top 10 most credible close encounters. And that list was provided, the research and the ranking by uh, Rob here. So thank you for that. And now finally, I think that was like 2019. Yep. Yeah, you're here now. Tell me, have you been probed at all today? No, uh, it's been a fairly even keel day. Nothing weird has happened, which I'm fine with. If we can keep it on the level, you know, and and like not get abducted during this hmm. recording, be great. I'd appreciate that, aliens. That's a tall order. Mm-hmm. That's asking a lot, I think, it of is. the universe. Rob, we're going to let you do kind of a plug for Our Strange Skies later. But for now, can you just tell the listeners, kind of let them know who you are? What is your uh, resume in this field of UFO research? So when it comes to UFOs, and and you want to really dive into what they are, half the time, most people will have an experience and it, it sends them on their way. And, and that's what happened to me. In 2015, I had a UFO experience while I was at work. And then I just got my hands on a, on a lot of books. And I just mm-hmm. became like this guy that knows a lot about UFOs. It, it's consumed my <laughs> life, really. It's consumed my life and I'll never get it back. But that's fine. But uh, in a way, they have abducted you in a way. Yes, they have. They've abducted my interests, my brain, my money, like any everything. They've infiltrated all sectors of my life. So the only thing left is like my body at this point. Your asshole. Let's just call it like what it is. But we're going to get into weird shit today because when you have a UFO expert on the show, you're going to talk about. Well, actually, you know what? Before I get to that, let me take a step back. You clearly believe in UFOs, close encounters. What is your stance on ancient civilizations, the ancient aliens theory, essentially? Where, where do you stand on that? I'm not the biggest proponent of it. And the thing is, is like, I think a lot of people will think that this theory has been around since the TV show, but it goes back to about the 1920s. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but like, I'm not a fan of... Um, Let's say the the Von Donneken method, which is basically to look at old structures and just say, oh, aliens helped build that. I'm not a fan of that. Mm -hmm. Like, there are, you know, recorded incidents of people seeing weird lights in the sky and maybe they're natural phenomenon, maybe they're not. But in terms of the whole ancient aliens thing, it's very, it's not great. It's not great. And, like, it discounts, like, ancient peoples and how amazing they were so yeah it's a problematic kind of subject yeah well i'm glad we could cover a problematic subject today Um, (laughs) but before i reveal the the list i have mixed feelings on the theory Mm -hmm. i'll save my thoughts but i have mixed feelings i've always been fascinated by it whether or not i believe in it Mm -hmm. so 
I asked on my Twitter at the Nick Amell, I asked my followers, do you believe that intelligent life from other planets have had a hand in the construction of any ancient structures such as the pyramids? I have 74% no as the result to that. 20, 26% yes. I knew that most people wouldn't believe in it, but I'm a little surprised it's uh, 75 to 25%. Does yeah. that surprise you at all? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit, but uh, a good. it's good that the show really hasn't corrupted as many minds as I thought it would have at this point. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm happy about that. Yeah, well, that's okay, because we are here to corrupt those minds mm-hmm. in different ways. So, 74% of my followers, at least, don't believe that aliens or intelligent life had had any hand in ancient structures. Rob doesn't think the theory has much ground, but I'm still going to make you talk about it for the next hour-ish anyway, because today we're talking about the top seven ancient sites, ancient structures, most maybe built by aliens. Okay. <laughs> I, know, I know that your expertise is more on the UFO and the uh, abduction side, that, but we've done those, so I wanted to do something different. Today, this list comes from National Geographic. It's ranked by the hardest to explain technological feats in construction. Interesting. Now, I want you and the listeners to take note that just because we're covering this list does not mean I believe everything we're going to cover on this list. I just think Mm -hmm. it's fascinating to talk about. Yeah. I also pulled some notes from insider.com, history.com, and of course, Wikipedia. Let me go a little more into what this list is. It's from National Geographic, like I said. Planet Earth is home to some spectacular relics from bygone eras, constructions that seem to defy the technological capabilities of their time, either because they're too big, too heavy, or too complex. As such, some suggest the ancient builders of the Egyptian pyramids, for example, were following an extraterrestrial instruction manual. Perhaps the hands that crafted these sites weren't really of this world. Now, I do take issue with them saying there's an instruction manual because that seems Mm, far-fetched. A little bit. I have an easier time believing that aliens were down here helping humans than I do believing there was an instruction manual in the time of the pyramids. It, like, Although I guess there kind of was in a way. Not an instruction manual, but an account. Well, I mean, you know, you've got hieroglyphics on, you know, certain walls that kind of show how they moved these big blocks and stuff like that. So, y- yeah, like there is kind of an instruction manual, but mm-hmm. not really. Like, I can only imagine, like, what the Ikea version of that would be in ancient Egypt, and it would... I don't even think they could handle it. <laughs> the Ikea instruction manual. Oh, fuck, just kill me. Yeah. If I was building the pyramids, life's already rough. You know, I'm yeah. probably a slave or very low on the social totem pole, and I'm mm. having to build this pyramid of no choice of my own, hard labor, and I finally get there on day one. I'm like, okay, I got to make the best of this. My life sucks, but I'm going to make the best of it. And then they start handing out the Ikea instruction manuals for these things yeah i'm out no (laughs) done i'm out do whatever you got to do to me and my family but i'm not doing it right like i assume i know how to read but like we know that given the ikea model the ikea brand nobody knows how to read at that point it's just not possible no (laughs) exactly though that was written by other life forms i think i've i firmly believe that ikea is run by aliens absolutely (laughs) I'm of the default opinion that any business anywhere is run by aliens, and it's up Mm. to them to prove me otherwise, right? That's fair. That's a fair assumption. 
Well, speaking of fair assumptions, this list is assuming that things that are hard to explain, the pyramids I've mentioned a few times, so we'll use them as an example. How do you explain the construction of those? No one really knows the full story, although we have clues. And so many ancient alien believers will point to those and say, well, here's why it was alien influenced, if not built. But I'm going to break down the top seven, and then we'll also explain both sides. The signs pointing to alien intervention and the signs pointing to a completely earthly build. A little bit more about the ancient alien theory. Ancient astronauts or ancient aliens refers to a pseudo-scientific hypothesis which holds that intelligent extraterrestrial beings visited Earth and made contacts with humans in prehistoric times. Proponents suggest that this contact influenced the development of modern cultures, technologies, religions, and human biology. And a common position is that deities from most, if not all, religions are extraterrestrial in origin, and that advanced technologies brought to Earth by ancient astronauts were interpreted as evidence of divine status by early humans. That is a recurring theme in the structures we're going to talk about. Most of them have religious influence, but was it really the gods or was it E.T.? We're going to find out today. Mm. So we are actually going to solve this, like right here, right now. We're just going to solve this entire thing. Yeah. For those listening, forward this podcast link to your step-uncle at NASA and every other official organization you know. Let them know Rob and Nick have cracked the case. We've done it. So I don't know if you'll get all seven of these without hints, but maybe you'll impress me. When I say ancient aliens and ancient alien construction, for lack of a better word, what's uh, one of the first places that comes to mind? I think one that that is relatively new that people talk about a lot is Gobekli Tepe because like it's old. Nobody really knows a whole heck of a lot about what's going on there. They kind of have some idea, but not a lot. They're still learning more and more about that. That's a good guess. It's not on here, though, believe it. Dang it. So immediately your expertise is being called into question, but no pressure. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Uh, I think the default here is uh, Puma Pumku. Uh, That would be because they talk about that all the time. Like I've seen enough episodes of Ancient Aliens to know how much Puma Pumku comes up like often. But uh, again, this is this isn't like Ancient Aliens. This is National Geographic. So like they have might have different standards. They have an editorial standard to live up to. Mm-hmm. It's not on the list. Say the name again. Poo-poo. Puma Poomku. Uh, Poo-poo? Pookin? Poo- okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I'm striking out here. Yeah. Hmm. So let's knock out one that I've already mentioned a few times. Well, pyramids, I mean, yeah, right? the pyramids, you know, of yeah. Giza. Yeah. Probably the most go-to example, I'd say. Right, because it... It's just like they pretty much kind of know how they were built. They just they can't get the timetable right. I think that's the main problem is they can't fit it into the timetable that they believe that they were built in. Right. And even taking the timetable question aside, it is a magnificent feat of human accomplishment Mm -hmm. in any time period. Today, it would be an accomplishment. But before modern Well, let's just get into it. The Egyptian pyramids is number five on this list. Essentially, you could think of that as the fifth hardest to explain on the planet as far as humans doing this. It's in Egypt, 
And if you don't know that, then you got a problem. It was built in the 2600s BC. Sources cite at least 118 identified Egyptian pyramids, most built as tombs for pharaohs and their consorts. The most famous are those found at Giza on the outskirts of Cairo. Several of the Giza pyramids are counted among the largest structures ever built. So these were built over 2,500 years ago, and they still stand as some of the tallest structures ever built. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe they're the only thing on the uh, seven wonders of Earth that are still standing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, you got to give it up to really good construction there. Like, they nailed the architecture. They're like, hey, pyramids, we know they'll last. And I think. Yeah. The most deceptive thing about those pyramids is like everybody's like, no, they're four sided. No, they're eight sided. So there, or at least the, the Great Pyramid is not four sided. Eight sided. Eight sided. Yes. Okay. I guess I didn't realize that. When you look at it from an aerial view, you'll notice um, that like the sides are kind of indented a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, it's dominantly four-sided as in like Mm -hmm. 95% of the structure is on four sides but you're right there is kind of a little like angle at each corner that makes it eight-sided yeah well this fucking thing's amazing and Mm -hmm. how did they do it constructing the pyramids involved moving huge quantities of stone while most blocks came from nearby quarries special stones were transported on great barges from distant locations for instance, white limestone from Tura and granite from Aswan. And going back to the discussion we had earlier where, okay, I'm a slave, I'm being forced to build this pyramid. Luckily, in reality, there were no IKEA mm-hmm. instruction manuals handed out. But yeah. I'm sitting there, I'm ready on day one to work, and they tell me, okay, everyone gets started, and we're looking around going, well, where's the stones to start building this thing? And they go, oh, no, 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 you got to walk however many miles away to get the stone and then mm. bring it back here. Right. Like, just the, just the effort to put this thing together is huge. But, of course, the people that ordered this pyramid be made, you know, it's no skin off their back. Who cares? Right. right. We want exactly. what we want and whatever the cost is. What was the mental health status of people in the ancient world? I have to wonder because at a task uh-huh. like that, some guy wants this giant pyramid built. Yeah, it's just like, uh, I don't think I can handle that, but... Especially for a project that's supposed to take, like, decades to build. Right. You know, first and foremost, that's commitment right there. Because Mm -hmm. I can barely commit to getting up on time. So, I gotta commend them for that. The labor is, I think, uh, a big thing of it. Like, population-wise of Egypt, you know, a lot of people, Mm -hmm. I think, get hung up on that particular aspect. There was probably enough population there, but... Oh, you're saying that there might not have been enough people to actually build this thing at the time? That's one of the theories that I remember. So it was aliens, is what you're saying. Eh, you know... aliens filled out the ranks. They must have. They they really must... But here's the thing. If we're going... What kind of aliens are we going with? Are we going with the gray aliens? Because if we're going with the gray aliens, do you think those guys are lifting blocks? Do you think they're moving blocks? at all like no, sans alien technology sans alien technology are those guys no. lifting stones no 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 but if the aliens are coming to earth to help humans build these things then we have to assume that they're using their technological advancements to make that happen right they're not lifting a fucking th- finger but they are saying 
here's that IKEA instruction manual again, mm-hmm. like we keep saying. Or right. they had some beams to transport these, you know, stones that weighed however many tons to Right. That's the thing because and I'm gonna get into it here in a second, but like moving these stones, like I guess was probably possible. I mean, it had to have been possible. Mm-hmm. But just the amount of time and man hours it took to move one stone, and there's, I don't know, at least thousands of stones in this thing. Right. And I'm jumping around a bit, but you mentioned commitment. It's commitment on a bunch of fronts because it's the commitment of the rulers build, uh, having this thing built because it's very likely they're not even going to be alive to see the end of it. Right. They're building it for future generations. And same with the people building it. Oh, this sucks. I got I to gotta do manual labor to build this thing. But usually when you say that, it's like, well, it's going to be amazing at the end and I'll see the fruits of my labor. But in this case, no, your ass is going to die a terrible death and your grandchildren's grandchildren are going to be the ones finishing this thing. Maybe right. not that long, but yeah. So, so it's commitment on a lot of fronts where you're not even seeing the final product in a lot of cases. My argument to that would be that I think the popular misconception is that Egypt has like three pyramids. In reality, they have like over a hundred, like hundreds 118. Yes, they have a lot. This is like a tradition that they've, you know, had for a long time. Like architecture is their thing, not only pyramids, but like, you know, they're building aqueducts that are amazing. The Sphinx, um, you know, they're innovators when it comes to architecture and engineering and, and, and such like that. They're one of the most advanced cultures on the planet. Even by today's standards, I, I would say. Even like, today, yeah. Yeah, they're on par. So. To say that, you know, it's tough. I rack my brain over this every day. Get up and it it's is just tough, like, Rob. Alien, it, aliens. They had to have. Aliens is to. the kind of like, it's the easiest answer. Right. It's the easiest explanation. Right. On some respects. And so let's talk a little bit more about the construction. How exactly did these Egyptians, 2,500 plus years ago, there's no, I mean, Captain Obvious here, but there was no internet, right. there's no electricity. There's no like construction vehicles. How did they do this? And the Great Pyramid is made of, and just as, this is just the Great Pyramid, not to mention the hundreds of mm-hmm. others, like you said. The Great Pyramid is made of millions of precisely hewn s- stones weighing at least two tons each. Even with today's cranes and other construction equipment, building a pyramid as big as that would be a formidable challenge. And then there's the astronomical configuration of the pyramids which is said to align with the stars of Orion's belt. As well, alien theorists often point to the fact that these three pyramids are in way better shape than others built centuries later, never mind the amount of work that has gone into preserving them over the past several centuries. Mm -hmm. And in fact, some argue that as with the pyramids, aliens must have helped the ancient Bolivian people in their architectural pursuits. So wise guy, Mr. Ancient Alien Denier, what do you have to say to all that? It's a theory. (laughs) It's a theory. It's a theory. Thanks for that. Expert insight. <laughs> so these stones, they don't only weigh two tons each, but they also include intricate decoration and stonework, and it is unknown how this was achieved given the limited technology believed to have existed at the time. While it's true, scientists aren't quite sure how the ancient Egyptians built the pyramids, and especially how they did it so quickly, to your timeline point, there is ample evidence that these tombs are the work of thousands of earthly hands. Most of the construction hypotheses are based on the belief that huge stones were carved from quarries with copper chisels, and these blocks were then dragged and lifted into position. Mm -hmm. Now, like, 
All kidding aside, I don't believe aliens had a hand in this. I don't completely rule it out, but it seems unlikely. Right. But dragging the stones into place is one thing, but how the fuck did they lift them up? Like, you know, how did they lift them into position? I, I've seen the way that, like, kind of like models and like kind of like really mm-hmm. in intensive like winches and stuff like that that they had but like you bring them up that like kind of little like incline that you have going up and up and up in this pyramid and and mm, it yeah, kind of does you, have you, an incline in the in the shape of it yeah like if, if you watch any like kind of shows about this and, and you see like kind of the I call it like the road that they build to get the blocks up there. Like it, it's really just mm. kind of like a a large ramp that they used, and like the way in which they transported them. Like I know there's like some stone, or, like some kind of like hieroglyphs that show big rock, a uh, big stone on like a flatbed, and in front of it they're pouring water to help hold it easier, and. While that is a pain in the butt, what I will say is, like, the um, standards of construction were a lot different back then than they are now. Like, normally, like back then, you had a bunch of guys doing all of this. Now, if you watch any construction project, there's, like, five of them standing down there doing nothing. So, uh, I yep. think I think they, that Egyptians were more efficient with their labor force, if anything. That's fair to say. You know, it's Funny, we talked a little bit about how these are still standing, and they're Mm -hmm. 2,500 plus years old. They're some of the oldest structures still standing on Earth. Yeah. But, like, I just moved into a new house this year, and this shit, there's already issues in the house. The construction is better on this ancient pyramid than it is on my modern house. So. Yeah, it's kind of the perfect design structure. Like, Like, it's insane how well a pyramid holds up and why you kind of find them all over the world you know not just in egypt but in south america right egypt is the most well known but there are pyramids elsewhere which some would point to and say well of course the aliens were telling more than one civilization how to build these things exactly now i want to take a step back rob you are clearly not a huge proponent of the ancient alien theory but let's say it is real. Like, what is the alien race's motivation for helping humans do this 2,500 years ago? Man, that is the kicker, right? Like, are these mm-hmm. people interested in our development in some way? Because that's pretty, you know, noble of an alien species to come to Earth and be like, you, you look like you could use some help here. Why don't we just <laughs> give you a hand here? Like, and, and realistically, we've done a really great job. You know, we've uh, designed the atomic bomb, the nuclear bomb, and, um, you know, like, some yes, believe... all these things that destroy. Yeah, so, like, if they did come to help us along, they did a really terrible job. I actually regret them showing up if they did, because, uh, like, you know, th- things are not great. You're definitely getting abducted now. Yeah, like, uh, I just, it's happening. It's just happening now. <laughs> Knock on the door, and it's the Greys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is interesting. And, like, in a in a world where this is true, and ancient aliens helped the development of the human race, that means that there's still a payoff for them somewhere down the road, right? They're waiting for us to get to a certain point before they return or before they do X, Y, Z, and we don't know what that is. Exactly. And, like, 
the thing is, is like when you're talking about like kind of modern UFO and like close encounter cases and you compare it to the ancient alien myth, there's kind of a lot of crossover because there's a lot of people that think like the close encounters of the 50s, 60s and 70s were kind of there to serve as a uh, what's the way to put it kind of like things appearing to kind of make you challenge the nature of the reality in which you live in so like there's kind of a little yeah. crossover there it's like hey we're gonna develop you a little bit in our own way we're gonna show up we're gonna show ourselves to you and you just be like hey that's weird but things exist outside your own reality so there is some crossover yep. there except one's like a more spiritual development while the other one is literally let me help you build things. Yeah. Honestly, I think we got it. We didn't need the aliens. We got it. But did we got it? Because if all these ancient structures are the work of aliens, then we, then we wouldn't be where we are today without them. Like if they're real, did aliens work with drywall? I don't know, but (laughs) no, (laughs) Probably not, but we don't know. Right. That's why we're here to, to talk about it. Right. Do you like candy? Do you like candy? Do you like candy? If you answered yes to any of the above questions, then Candy is Dandy is the right podcast for you. Candy is Dandy is the world's only candy review podcast. And we know that because we looked as deep as a third O in a Google search. Every first and third Wednesday of the month, we pick a different candy, give you its history, taste it live, and review it and rate it. We've tried candies such as Snickers, Butterfingers, Jelly Belly Jelly Beans, and we've had a cavalcade of celebrity guests such as The Three Musketeers, Bazooka Joe, and Comedy Bang Bang's Carl Tart. So download and subscribe to Candy is Dandy anywhere podcasts are found. All right, well, let's get back to the list. So that was number five, the pyramids. There's other very famous, well-known ancient sites that are unexplained. Okay. Machu Picchu? I don't know. Machu Picchu? No, that, that, that's a good guess. I saw other lists when I was doing research on this before I landed on the National Geographic list. Mm. I saw others that had Machu Picchu listed, but our list today does not. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to need some hints probably. All right. Think about an island. Oh, uh, okay. Easter Island. I'm thinking Easter, Easter Island. Island. Yeah. Come on. Of course <laughs> that has to be on there. Yeah. And that's number two. Pyramids were five, Easter Island's two. I think this one's easier to explain than the pyramids, just because mm-hmm. the uh, you know vast amount of work that went into pyramids versus this. Not that this didn't have work, but you know what I mean. Pyramids are just bigger in scale and all that, but... Let's get into it. It's located off the off Chile, and it was built between 1250 and 1500, so much more recent than the pyramids. The enigmas surrounding the Moai, Easter Island's fleet of large stone figures, pretty much follow the same narrative as the other sites described here. How in the world did the Rapa Nui make these figures more than 1,000 years ago, and how did the Moai end up on Easter Island? So if uh, if you're listening and you've Everyone's seen Easter Island, but if you need a refresher, check the show notes. There's going to be a link to images of every site we talk about. But it's the giant stone faces uh, on this island. They're carved from stone, and there's nearly 900 of them sprinkled along the flanks at the island's extinct volcanoes. Tallest one is called Paro or Paro. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's almost 33 feet high, or 10 meters, and it weighed 80.7 tons. 
So 80 tons for, for one fucking stone. And if you remember the, the Egyptian pyramid of Giza, the stones were about two tons each. So these are 80. The figures average 13 feet tall and weigh 14 tons and appear to have been chiseled from the soft volcanic tuff found in the Rano Ra... I'm trying. <laughs> Rano Raraku Kuori. There, more than 400 statues are still in various states of construction with some completed figures awaiting transportation that never came before they finished. So, Rob, tell me why there's no other explanation for Easter Island other than aliens. Why would you construct a lot of these? Just a bunch What's of faces? The, just a <laughs> bunch of faces. And I mean, like, give them their acting credits. They made an appearance in the first night at the uh, museum movie. So, Oh, yeah. There is a level of what fame there. What an obscure there, reference but... you just pulled out. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, it's just like there are so many of them on that island. Why? Why? And 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 I because think, like, it's the... beyond our understanding, Rob. There's a greater alien mission at work here that we're not privy to. Right, and I think like the popular consensus is like they abandoned the island. I can't remember exactly. I don't know if they completely mm -hmm. abandoned the island due to like. I have a note on that. No, okay. It says that the reasons for carving the moai are mysterious, though likely for religious or ritual reasons, and it's not exactly clear what happened to the stone crafting Rapa Nui. But a leading theory suggests their civilization succumbed to an environmental disaster of their own making, whatever that mm. means. Right. I think it was Jared Diamond, uh, who's a historian that suggested that. No. Listener of the show? Yeah, I think it was Dustin Diamond of uh, Saved by the Bell that actually suggested. <laughs> Dustin Diamond, wow. <laughs> no, yeah. So... I knew he had uh, kind of branched out in his career into a bunch yeah. of different avenues, but I did not realize alien his history was one as well. Oh, yeah. No, uh, yeah. Jared Diamond is uh, he's famous for writing a book called Guns, Germs and Steel. And uh, he kind of has like some like off the wall kind of theories and stuff like that on certain things. And I know one of the criticisms that he had of the Moai is that due to all this instruction, they basically like they had problems getting food and stuff like that. Like they took their eye off the food ball because they were yeah. too distracted carving a thousand fucking identical faces on a <laughs> right. on an island that didn't ask for the faces. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I guess they're not identical, but similar. No, but the, they are of a similar kind of look. But, like, there's, like, I think that one, like, really huge one that just kind of, like, everybody just looks at and associates with Easter Island. Like, it's the same one. And, like, mm -hmm. that dude looks stoic as hell, and uh, I dig it. Stone-faced. Yeah. Literally stone-faced. There's no arguing that he's stone-faced, but he also looks like he's got his shit together and there's nothing you can say that's going to phase him, right? You don't want to pick a fight with this individual because... Because <laughs> he's Someone... 80 fucking tons, maybe? Yeah, and you don't know where his feet are, really. True. They're about mm. to be broken off inside your ass if you pick a fight. Exactly. It's not exactly known how the Moa Moai were moved across the island. Again, the largest stone's 80 tons. The island was largely treeless by the time the statues were constructed, and the implication there is it's not like they could build right, rollers, rollers with trees or any other apparatus using trees that usually you'd Actually, expect. I do believe I know how they moved them because I've seen videos of people doing it, and the way in which they did it is they had ropes on either side, and they essentially walked the statue itself into yep. place. 
I have a note on that. It says that they they harnessed ropes from two sides and made them to walk by tilting them from side to side while yep. pulling forward. Yep. I mean, I guess that makes sense, but these are some big ass rocks. Now, something mm-hmm. besides the construction that caught my eye. Tell me if you've heard of this. So, the, there are carvings of a bird man throughout the island. Mm-hmm. The figure of a half bird and half man was the symbol of the <sighs> Matatoa, the distinct character connected to the sacred site of Arongo. The new cult prompted battles of tribes over worship of ancestry, and some have pointed to these bird man carvings as interpretation of ancient aliens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sure there's a million possible explanations. You could point to anything and say, hey, that's an alien. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I don't think it's on this list, but I was, I was watching Ancient Aliens one time, the TV show, and they showed this structure again. I can't remember which one, but there were carvings in it, and one of the carvings looked exactly like a spaceship, and mm-hmm. like right next to it was the carving that looked exactly like a man with a astronaut helmet on. Yeah. So, again, sure there's explanations for that, but it is interesting that those two things carved side by side, you know, when... Yeah, it's very strange. I agree. Yeah. Just like you and I. Yes. All right, so you have Pyramids at five, Easter Island at two. Two. Now, there's another kind of gimme on this list that I think the average person would name as a possible site. It's number four. It's number four. It also involves large stones. It also involves large stones. It has the word stone in the name, in fact. Wait, really? Stonehenge? What's wrong with Stonehenge? I don't think it's as mysterious as people make it out to be. Whoa. This is a hot take. Because I took an archaeology class in college, and there was a chapter in a book literally dedicated to Stonehenge. Mr. Smart Guy over here, everyone, watch out. He took a college class. It went through kind of like multiple phases, but like it, it was kind of believed to be for observing the stars, kind of like a planetarium in a way, or like a yeah, you yeah. know an observation. But like, I don't think it's as mysterious. I, I'm just gonna go full ham on this list and say I don't think it's as mysterious as people make it out to be. I think I think this is how they strike back at the people that say, "Oh, ancient <laughs> aliens is racist," and I'm like, "Well, yeah, it is to a certain extent, but." To an extent, yeah, for sure. Yeah, because like the thing is, is like they never uh, mention like European structures or anything like that because they know how they were built, but everything else is just mystery. It is because these ancient structures they're talking about are predate written history mm-hmm. and things like that. So, yeah, like you said, we we know how most, if, well, we know how all the European structures were built, right? And America, of course, uh, but. We don't have all the deets on how Stonehenge was made. As much as you underplay it as it deserving a spot on this list, we'll let the listeners decide. This is in mm, Salisbury, England. Stonehenge is at number four. It was built between three and 2000 BC. So these actually predate, well, at least the beginning of it predates the Pyramid of Giza. Mm. A huge circle of stones, some weighing as much as 50 tons, sits in the English countryside outside Salisbury. The whole monument, now ruinous, is aligned toward the sunrise on the summer solstice. It is one of the most famous landmarks in the United Kingdom, and it is regarded as a British cultural icon. Could have been a burial ground from its earliest beginnings. Pause there. I think Stonehenge being on this list is less about the how and more about the why. 
Right. I think the how is a little more understood, but the why has always been in contention. Okay. <laughs> I just don't know if it's worth if it's list worthy at this point. I'm still turning heel on this list for putting including it. <laughs> like, sure. <laughs> you could say, oh, we don't know what it was used for. Sure. Wow. Well, what do you want? The Eiffel Tower to be on here, Rob? Maybe we could put the Empire State Building it, on here. Were those ancient? Were those aliens? Are they ancient enough? It's tough to well, say, they don't but have like to be ancient. I'm just saying. I have criticisms of the list. That's all. Well, as a reminder, I did not construct the list. That's fair. As I know you know, but yes. I but aliens did help me construct the list. Yes, um, in fact. Okay, so deposits containing human bone date back from as early as 3000 BC when the ditch and banks were first dug and continued for at least another, another 500 years. Stonehenge evolved in several construction phases spanning at least 1,500 years. <laughs> like 1,500 mm-hmm. years, that's such a long time. And I, I want to pause, and I don't mean to keep harping on this, but it's like the big takeaway for me from doing the research for this is like, <sighs> life fucking sucks for everybody back mm-hmm. in these days. 3000, 2000 BC, there's no running water. We're dying at age 20 from like simple diseases. Getting water and food is a daily struggle and challenge. So let's just all chill when we have free time, not build these monuments that take 1,500 years to finish and kill our workforce. Kind of going home point when it comes to like the hunter-gatherer kind of lifestyle taking over where, yeah, you're hunting and that is a dangerous kind of thing depending upon the wild game that you're going for, but like you're not hunting every day because you can supplement your diet by fishing if you're near water and uh you know gathering and and stuff and like when it comes to agriculture and the birth of agriculture people have way too much time on their hands so they got to do something <laughs> so naturally they have to build things and make people wonder what what they were for but like i have this distinct image in my head in this textbook of like the three different kind of like structural styles at Stonehenge and like showing like almost like an enclosed building and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, I guess the why is mysterious, but I think it probably serves a more mundane purpose than people would probably like to admit. So like on that base level of mysteriousness as we like don't the burial know ground. what this. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. that base level. And not only that, like I'm pretty sure, you know, ancient people's, reuse their land for different purposes at different times so like at one point it may have been a burial ground and then hey we repurposed it for this repurposed it for that like not to say that it well, they did have 1500 years of yeah sorry they did have 1500 years of building this thing where you know from generation to generation they could change their mm-hmm. mind on why and how to use it yeah well as we've discussed stonehenge was produced by a culture that left no written records So many aspects of Stonehenge, such as how it was built or why, remain subject to debate. Swiss author Eric von Däniken, are you familiar? Oh, I know who that son of a bitch is. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, he's he's a big-time ancient alien guy. Yeah. He suggests that Stonehenge was a model of the solar system that also functioned as an alien landing pad. After all, how else could those massive stones have ended up hundreds of miles from their home quarry? Hundreds of miles, goddamn. Yeah. But according to 12th century writer Geoffrey of Monmouth, 
whose tale of King Arthur and mythical account of English history were considered factual well into the Middle Ages, Stonehenge is actually not the work of aliens, but the handiwork of the wizard Merlin. Yes, uh, old Merlin. Yes, I've heard this theory many a times that Merlin was the real dude and like he built this himself using magic and stuff. Yeah, I've heard that before, too. Of course. Yeah. yeah. You question that? Seems pretty airtight to me. No, I don't. I don't. I understand Great. Merlin's credentials. I understand what he did for <laughs> King Arthur. He did a lot for him. I remember I saw the sword in the stone as a kid. I know what he's capable of. I know what he could do. Oh, the sword in the stone. Yeah, of yeah. course. Classic. No one talks about that movie anymore. You know, you notice that? It's still a great movie. It's still a great movie. Yeah, y- y'all I was one of my favorites. Watch it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, man. Well, with generous help from your host, you have gotten I number five. I think I have one. I think <laughs> I have one, though. Okay. And I can't remember the, oh, the Nazca lines. Nazca lines have Nazca to be Nazca lines. Here. You yeah. got it, bro. Number six yeah. is the Nazca Lines, right. right behind the pyramid. This is in the Nazca Desert in southern Peru, built between 500 BC and 500 CE. Now, this is one I did not know much about until I did this research, but it's fascinating. Mm. So this is on a high and dry plateau some 200 miles southeast of Lima, Peru. More than 800 long straight white lines are etched into the Peruvian desert, seemingly at random. Or are they? Joining them are 300 geometric shapes and 70 figures of animals, including a spider, a monkey, and a hummingbird. So this was no small feat. This took a lot of time. Mm-hmm. The longest of the, those white lines run straight as an arrow for miles. The biggest shapes stretch nearly 1,200 feet across and are best viewed from the air, which is the key point of this thing. But more on that in a second. Because of its isolation and dry, windless, stable climate, the lines have been mostly preserved naturally for over a thousand years. So how would they know to build in such a perfect spot without alien intervention, Robin? Whew. You know, it's a great question. And it, and it honestly seems like a thankless job because when you go out and you look out there and it's like, who would want to land out here anyway? It's pretty isolated. <laughs> like, it's a large area with a lot of stuff going on. And, you know, Van, da- uh, Van Donneken's like, Oh, this is an alien landing strip. Well, why do they need a landing strip? A long runway. Do you assume that they have wheels on those things? Like, if they are using airplane technology, they did not get here from another planet. <laughs> you know, uh, that's true. I hadn't really yeah. considered that. But but it's also possible that they needed... I mean, like, a runway is how we understand it. But they could have right. other uses, right? Like, I don't know. We don't know. Right. It's very true. The one thing that I always point to in this situation is like, aside from the large figure of the man that they say looks like an alien, which when you look around and you look at a lot of the figures, like there's a hummingbird that's like really intricately done and other shapes. And you see this like one figure, which I think is like on the side of a hill or a mountain or something like that. And he kind of looks like he does kind of look like an alien. Yeah. That's automatically go to for an alien, but if I recall correctly, one of the theories that somebody put forth is that they had hot air balloons. I'm not joking. There is one guy who put a theory forth that they had hot air balloons at one point. Don't know how true that is, but I agree it's weird to make all of these shapes just like in a 
desert area for in a desert right which kind of makes you feel like well is this like kind of some spiritual journey that these people are going on and like they do in fact like you know walk these lines as kind of like a spiritual journey or experience or or whatever walk the line are you saying johnny cash was out there yeah johnny cash is totally out there didn't you know he based the song on those lines to be fair, Johnny Cash didn't write the song his future wife did. Well, she penned the the the, the phrase. Well, fortunately, this isn't a Johnny Cash podcast, so That's we fair. will mercifully That's move fair. on. But <laughs> I do think, you know, we haven't even touched on the most fascinating part of the Nazca lines. And by the way, if you're listening, look at the pictures, because what I'm about to say will mean more to you if you are looking at a picture. Mm-hmm. Scientists suspect that the Nazca drawings are as many as two millennia old, and because mm-hmm. of their age, size, and visibility from above, the lines are often cited as one of the best examples of alien handiwork. The scale right. of these markings makes them clearly visible from the air, leading some alien believers to speculate that they must be the work of otherworldly figures. After all, how could ancient man craft lines with this level of symmetry and precision without the ability to fly? Because when you're looking at, and maybe this goes to what you're saying about the hot air balloon, but when you're looking at these lines, if you're on the ground looking at the lines, they really don't look like anything. But right. you have to be up in the air looking at them air, from an aerial viewpoint in order to see the shapes of the spiders and the man and everything else that they make. So right. why and how? Right. That's what I think is most interesting is like, okay. Like, I think the, it's the work of humans. Makes sense that it's the work of humans. But how did they know how to make these shapes when they could never get an aerial viewpoint? And furthermore, why would they give a fuck about making these look good for an aerial viewpoint when, as far as they knew, no one would ever be getting an aerial viewpoint? Right. These are questions. Yeah. These are the tough questions here, folks. Because also at the same time, if like given modern UFO accounts and stuff like that, and people talking about alien abductions. The aliens know how to find them, so why would they need to... Why would they need these? They know how to find these people. They've got this advanced technology. Well, I think the uh, people that made the Nazca Lions are trying to appease their new gods, which is the aliens. Maybe, you never know. Kind of like a cargo cult kind of situation where you'll make artificial structures to kind of get them back like kind of like we saw with some cultures in the uh, pacific and the uh, philippines when they're doing their island hopping campaigns and allegedly there were some tribes on some islands in which they landed in where americans gave them food and stuff and they wanted them to come back so they made like mock airplanes and stuff mm. like that yeah okay yeah well that makes a lot of sense and that would be a point in the this was aliens column right maybe for the nasca lines yeah i guess it depends because like they're making a mock airplane which is something that they'd never seen before and stuff like that there's really nothing in the nasca lines to say that there is anything there that they've never seen before but hey like if you want them to see a reminder it's like hey remember the place that has spiders hummingbirds and a weird <laughs> men on the hill that's this place. Land here. Yeah, maybe. In this part of the world, would they have even seen hummingbirds and stuff? Yeah, I do believe that there are hummingbirds in that area. Like, the, I don't think that there's anything in the Nazca lines that isn't front indigenous that to... That isn't, like... Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, spider. They get big spiders down there. Monkey. 
hummingbird, human. Mm-hmm. Human, you say. You say human, I say, I say alien human. man. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it, it's tough because like, yeah, that, that head on that alien looks weird. Looks very weird. Yeah, well, the eyes are big. Yeah, they're huge. So your friend, listener of the show, Eric Von, how do you say his name? Danikin? Donikin. That's how it's spelled. Donikin. Yeah. He wrote in his 1968 book, Chariots of the Gods, question mark. <laughs> He wrote yes. in that book that his belief <laughs> his beliefs about the sites such as the Nazca Lines could be explained the origins of religions as reactions of ancient people when they came into contact with an alien race. His theory that these mysterious lines were actually used as landing sites for UFOs, we talked about that. He theorized that the shapes and lines were made by aliens and were created to help steer the spaceships as well as work as landing pads. Just seems like you said, it just seems like unnecessary. Mm-hmm. But he also claimed that the patterns at this site looked very similar to modern airport and used this as evidence that proved the aliens used this area as a landing place. Mm-hmm. So neither of us were there. If you were there during the building of the Nazca Lines, that would be news. Yes. I don't think you were there, though. I was not there. Nope. nope. So we don't know. But it seems unlikely that an advanced alien species would need hummingbirds and other shit to guide their flying adventures. No. If you're aliens making the trek here, you gotta have, like, the modern technology there. Like, they could find just about anybody anywhere. Like, so many UFO accounts of people encountering, like, aliens on backcountry roads. Clearly, their GPS is a lot better than they're given credit for. Do you think that the aliens that for sure came back during ancient times and helped build stuff like the Nazca Lines, do you think they're looking back now and kicking themselves, being like, we should have just waited 2,000 years because now we're missing out on the in and out. There yeah. were no in and outs back then. Right. They're not safe on this planet. <laughs> we're too hostile in our own nature, so they're missing out on incredible fast food. They're missing out. Exactly. Uh, I mean, they could probably get some of the television and you know TV shows and stuff. They probably got Breaking Bad, I would assume. But You uh, think they're watching yeah. Breaking Bad out there? Oh, yeah. yeah. Hell, yeah. Oh, hell, yeah. Well, then I hope they're caught up on Better Call Saul as well. Yeah, exactly. I digress. Let's do a quick recap. You got six Nazca lines, five the Egyptian pyramids, four Stonehenge, and two Easter Island. These next three are not on the tip of the tongue of most people, but you being who you are, maybe you'll know these. Are there any more pyramids on this list? No, but I think there are ancient sites that might have had pyramids. Like, on them, perhaps? Hmm. hmm. So let's talk about that one. Number three is located in Mexico. Number three is in Mexico. Yeah, this, this one is escaping me. All right, well, in my perfect Spanish, I will try to correctly pronounce this. Tio Tia... <laughs> Tio Tehuacan. Uh, Tio Tehuacan. Yes, yeah, okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. That's fair. See, you did know it. It's located 25 miles northeast of modern-day Mexico City. This is number three on the list. It was built between 100 BC and 250 CE. Teotihuacan, or whatever the word Rob said, it means Teotihuacan. Teotihuacan. Can. Yeah, close enough. (laughs) I've lost every Spanish-speaking listener in the last two minutes. Okay, well, that translates to City of the Gods. It's a sprawling ancient city in Mexico that's best known for its pyramid eel. P 
pyramidal temples and astrono- fuck, astronomical alignments. At its zenith, perhaps in the first half of the first millennium, Teotihuacan was the largest city in the Americas with a population of 125,000 or more. So it used to be a hop in place. Scientists suspect that over the centuries, a mix of cultures, including Maya, Zapotec, and Mixtec, built the city that could house more than 100,000 people. With its murals, tools, transportation system, and evidence of advanced agricultural practices, Teotihuacan is often considered much more technologically developed than should have been possible in pre-Aztec Mexico. By far the most well-known of Teotihuacan's buildings is the massive Pyramid of the Sun. It is Mm -hmm. one of the largest such constructions in the Western Hemisphere, and the pyramid's curious alignment is is believed to be based on calendrical cycles. So what do you know about this place? Yeah, there's the Pyramid of the Sun, Pyramid of the Moon. Uh, It's got a nice... It's got a nice plaza to it, from what I remember. Yeah, nice place. Looking up the Pyramid of the Sun. Yeah, so it's not nearly as tall as the Pyramids of Giza, and they look different, but they're also right. more um, kind of steppy. They got stairs on them. Pyramids do not they have do. stairs. Right. Yeah. Right. Or the, sorry, the, the Pyramid of Giza does not have stairs. Right. So this city, Teotihuacan, May have lasted until sometime between the 7th and 8th centuries, but its major monuments were sacked and systematically burned. Around 550 CE, its collapse might be related to the extreme weather events of that time. Because the fate of the city remains a mystery, many turn to alien-related theories to explain it. And our friends at the Ancient Aliens TV series on History Channel, they suggest that the structures in Teotihuacan involve advanced mathematical principles and, like the Pyramids of Giza, may be built to correspond with space formations. Hmm. Lastly, recent digs at Teotihuacan revealed stories of liquid mercury, uh, mesa in the walls, and golden orbs containing unrecognizable substances, all bizarre enough to prompt inquiries about the real builders of Teotihuacan, which is aliens, I'm going to say. Hmm, yeah. What do you need all that mercury for? I don't know. But uh, maybe aliens do. It's not something you want to really be handling at all. You don't think so, huh? So you're not handling no. mercury uh, on a regular basis? We know what happens. Like, you know, the hat makers, they did not fare well in the 1800s <laughs> and stuff before that. So, yeah, I, I'm not touching mercury at all. Okay, so what you're saying is I should reconsider my morning mercury consumption. I would cut back. Just cut back, okay. Cut back en route to cutting it off completely, but I need to graduate yeah. to it so as to not... Yeah. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Good advice. I don't think you can quit mercury cold turkey, but don't quote me on that. Yeah. Let's sidebar for a minute. The greys. You believe in the mm-hmm. greys, yeah? Sure, yeah. They're, they're one of the more researched and uh, widely believed species of alien. Yeah. yeah. Do you think the greys are eating food? What do they eat? There are some that suggest that they eat like a paste. Close encounter witnesses, abduction witnesses that claim that aliens told them that they eat a paste or something like that. Now, why are they sharing their diets with their abductees? They don't really, you know, divulge a lot of information. And like every time an abductee asks, or even just like, you know, a friendly kind of close encounter, people ask where they're from. They get vague answers most of the time. Like they're just like, 
oh, we're from way far away or we're from mm-hmm. over that way. Uh, just like really. And, and I get it. Like we're a warfaring species. You don't want us knowing where you live because mm. by God, if we develop the technology and I don't think we're too, too far off, we'll show up at your doorstep. It's going to happen. There's no stopping it, but yeah, matter of time. Yeah, exactly. One of the details that sticks out when it comes to like Whitley Strieber, who's one of the best known alien abductees. Communion. Yeah. In the in the first room, in the first experience that you read about in his book Communion, he talks about the room being dirty, just like extremely dirty. And like I think he postulates that the room is filled with like alien feces, but it's like dust. So they like, Yum. They shit dust, basically. <laughs> Well, the gray, that might be the most fascinating thing I've heard about the grays to date. Right? You know, I read Communion, but I don't remember that part. It's the weird detail of like, yeah, the room was very dirty. It's like, okay, sure. Yeah. All right. Well, now we're really sidebarring. I have to ask you and then we'll move on. Do you think a time is coming soonish? And I'll let you define soonish. Where aliens are on Earth and it's like a widely known and accepted thing. Think, think the day the Earth stood still. Like, this isn't like someone coming out of the woodwork saying, I was abducted by aliens. This is aliens making themselves known, landing somewhere nationally, internationally televised, whatever. Do you think that's going to happen someday? No. no, never. Never. Is it because of what you said earlier? Yeah, Warfare exactly. Like, yeah. yeah. I don't think we'll be seeing aliens land anytime soon. And mm-hmm. it's just not going to end well. Not going to end well at all. For anybody. Yeah, even if you believe, like, the odd stories of people coming forward and saying, hey, we've got aliens, the government has aliens, you know, housed somewhere, yeah, it's not going to end well either way. Yeah. Probably for us, because you got to think they've got some pretty advanced tech on those things. They might have advanced technology, but there's still shit and dust everywhere. So they land on Earth, and really, the shit dust might be what gets us more than their weapons. Right. Because the dust floats. Yeah, dust does float. And Human I, shit will just sit in one spot, but the dust shit will just float all over the place and sneezing and it's a slow In killer. reality, in telling the audience this, next time I want you to think about the dust that you haven't cleaned in so long, that could be alien <laughs> shit. That could be alien shit. You might want to clean it up. I should probably stop eating that with my morning mercury as well. Exactly. Exactly. But then again, maybe not. Mm-hmm. All right, you just need two left. We're going to save number one. So let's do number seven. This is in Peru. It's our second site in Peru. Cusco. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. Do you remember the name? No, the, but I know. It's in Cusco. Uh, this is the structure yeah. in Cusco. Right. Yeah. Chichen Itza? Is, is that no. in? No, dang it. Uh, no. I mean, it might I, be there, but it's not. Yeah. Right. No, I'm, I'm not sure. This is the uh, Saxehuaman. Saxehuaman, yes. Saxehuaman. Yes. That's like, I don't got a good joke. All right, it's number seven. (laughs) (laughs) It's in Peru. Shout out to our Peruan listeners. This is uh, built in the 15th century. I think it's the most recent thing on this list. Probably, yeah. Uh, it's outside the old Inca capital of Cusco, a fortress called Saxehuman, rests in the Peruvian Andes. The complex was built by the Inca in the 15th century, particularly under Pachacuti, 
and successors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Built from enormous stones that have been chiseled and stacked together like a jigsaw puzzle, some say Saxahuaman could be the work of an ancient civilization that had a little help from interstellar friends. The 1,000-year-old interlocking fortress walls are made of rocks that weigh as much as three, holy fuck, 360 tons each. Yeah. So before this, the largest stones we talked about were 80 tons. I think that was Easter Island. This is 360 tons each. Mm-hmm. And those stones were carried more than 20 miles before being lifted and fit into place with laser-like precision. Yeah. I don't know. All that, all that together makes me pause. I don't know. There's probably explanations, but... The blocks that they have out there and the way that they fit together is kind of amazing. Like, if I remember correctly, in the episodes that I did watch, they're fit so tightly together that you can't stick a piece of paper through it. So, mm, yeah, well, yeah, they're they're like it's good construction, perfectly aligned. And so it says the Incas who built this, they were actually advanced and talented craftsmen. And similar fortresses have been found around the world, and even near this one. So safe to say aliens probably shouldn't be given credit for this. That's what National Geographic says. But I want to read one more thing. Spanish chronicler Pedro Siza de Leon wrote in 1553, Pachacuti ordered 20,000 men sent in from the provinces, and that 4,000 of them quarried and cut the stones. 6,000 hauled them with great cables of leather and hemp. The others dug the dig and laid the foundations, while still others cut poles and beams for the timbers. So that, that's basically someone from that time period recording how this was constructed by people. That's impressive. Um, and today, only the stones that were too large to be easily removed remain at the site. So yeah, that's Saxehuaman at number seven. The engineering in those blocks is really impressive. Do you think they had calculators to do the math equations? Maybe... I don't know what the IKEA instructions were on that one, but clearly they were advanced enough. They didn't really need them. So you kind of got to wonder, is the ancient calculator basically someone in the sand uh, using like a stick and like marking out notches and measuring things like... I mean, probably pretty close to that. Or they had so many... Uh, workers and slaves dying during construction of these things that they could just Mm. lay out the dead bodies to do their calculations. All right, I need five plus plus seven. Put five dead men on top, seven dead women on bottom, count them up. I don't know, but just trying to make the point that a lot of people died during the construction of this shit. And think of all the dust they're breathing in, too, from moving these rocks. And again, could be alien shit. Could be alien shit. Again, question every speck of dust in your home. Could be alien shit. Exactly. Tiny aliens shitting on your bookshelf and then running away. We don't know. Yeah. Um, All right. I'm going to give you number one because I don't think you'll guess it. Do you recall, uh, this was big in the 70s, the face of Mars or the face on Mars. Sorry. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. They went with that for number one? Yeah. Yeah. I don't love this number one. I'm turning heel on this list right here, right now. <laughs> this is this is blasphemy. Are you kidding me? Right. This now? is National Geographic, Rob. You can't do that. I'm no. You're telling I'm, me you know more than National Geographic? Yeah, because all you need to do is take a better picture of that thing, and you realize it's not a face. It's just literally how the oh. sun was hitting it at the time. You are gonna look so foolish here in a minute when I prove without. <laughs> 
question that this is the work of alien intervention. Okay, prove it to me. You watch this. All right, the face on Mars, number one. Look it up, people, if you haven't seen a picture. It was spotted by the Viking 1 orbiter in 1976. This so-called face is nearly two miles long and in a region called Sidonia, which separates the smooth plains of the Martian north from the more cratered terrain in the south. Now, at the time, again, this is 1976, scientists dismissed the face as shadow play. Sounds like our friend Rob here. But over the decades, it has become a favorite among those who suspect aliens with a penchant for building things have been visiting the solar system. Some commentators, most notably Richard C. Hoagland, listener mm-hmm. of the show, believe the face on Mars to be evidence of a long-lost Martian civilization, along with other features they believe are present, such as apparent pyramids, which they argue are part of a ruined city. Now, I don't actually believe this, but I do love in an alternate universe where there is ancient pyramids and shit that we find on Mars. Like, can you imagine right. how badass that would be to find that? It would be quite impressive. But the thing about Mars is that since the, I want to say the 1800s, when the first uh, kind of um, telescopes looked up at Mars, people have been speculating that there have been ancient cities on Mars ever since. And like... There's nothing there. No, there's nothing there. I think we also need to acknowledge the fact that because of this image... And because of the area that it was, it inspired Muse to write the song Knights of Cydonia, which you may thank them for that. You may not. That's totally your choice, and uh, you can make it. Fair. We can't forget the one X-Files episode two in which there was a NASA employee who was plagued by the face on Mars. That is one of the worst episodes of the X-Files ever. Oh, God. You're Coming out hot tonight. Face on Mars. It's absolutely ridiculous. I do think it's ridiculous that a non-Earth thing is on this list of the top seven things on Earth. Seems like cheating. I remember a time when National Geographic was a respectable reporting outfit. This They have lost all goodwill with me. Wow. Mm-hmm. All right, you heard it here first. Rob Christofferson of the Our Strange Skies podcast says, National Geographic, lump them in with Fox News and every other trash rag out there. They're yeah. no longer credible. No. Well, you know, this picture of the face on Mars, it's interesting, but I think most would agree. In fact, it says here in 2001, NASA's Mars Global Surveyor took another good look at the same face on mm-hmm. Mars using a much higher resolution camera and saw dot, 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 no face. Yeah. Turns out what had appeared to be a face is just another boring old Martian mesa, kind of like the landforms that litter the U.S. Southwest. So again, one more time, I don't know why this is number one. Should not be number one, but it is. We are a species obsessed with our own downfall, so much to the point where we want to make it seem like other people fucked up so bad that they ruined their planet. <laughs> so naturally, Mars is the next obvious target and you know what every other planet in this solar system is a target jupiter somebody fucked it up saturn somebody Mm -hmm. fucked it up mercury nobody was living there let's let's be honest it's too close to the sun venus it's all gassy we call that the dr buster of the solar system but i have to say the thing about uh looking for lost civilizations on other planets is eventually we'll probably find one maybe Mm -hmm. and if not guess what 
humans are going to find their way to probably the moon first and then Mars, and then we'll destroy those planets over however many millennia or fewer. The real takeaway in all of this, folks, is that we're the aliens. We're the ones that are going to destroy everything. Yes. Oh, fuck. Didn't see that coming. That is deep. I'm going to pull us out of the deep end here just to recap this list. This is according to our friends at reputable, credible publication of the year, National Geographic, on which ancient sites are most likely built by aliens. Number seven is Sacsayhuaman in Peru. This is where they had the 360-ton rocks that were moved 20 miles and placed with laser-like precision. Mm-hmm. I think that one's my favorite on this list. Mm-hmm. Number six is the Nazca Lines, the lines in the desert that are best viewed from the air, from the sky. Number five is the Egyptian pyramids. Number four is Stonehenge. Number three is Teotihuacan <laughs> in Mexico. This is the city of the gods with, they had their own pyramid there. Number two, Easter Island. And number one, the face on Mars. There it is. You got it. Do you feel like you put your knowledge to good use tonight? Yeah, I, I, I do. I, I feel it. And, and, and you know what? It's, it has nothing to do with UFOs. It literally has to do with random classes I took in college and random shows that I watched <laughs> on the Discovery Channel. Like, that's, that's literally it. So, hey, putting it all to use this evening also yeah. want to reiterate national geographic hot garbage just hot garbage probably the last time we used them on this show maybe <laughs> probably not but they did give us some good fodder to discuss one of my favorite topics alien shit and mm-hmm. i hope it was clear to the listeners and i'm with rob here the ancient alien theory probably not true but i do leave just the smallest bit of room for like well who knows yeah. we don't know 0.1 percent Uh, Me and Andrew McKay from Into the Portal, we talked a little bit about this on episode 182, Lost Cities. So you can Mm -hmm. listen to that if you want more. But Rob, I definitely don't want to end this show without you telling the listeners how they can find more of your shit. And tell us about Our Strange Skies and anything else you want to plug. Yeah, absolutely. I do talk about alien shit from time to time on the Our Strange Skies podcast. Mostly, I I talk about the wildest UFO stories. Have you ever wanted to hear the story of an alien that attempted to carjack two people? (laughs) I've got stories about that. If you have ever wanted a heartwarming story about a uh, blind girl who met an alien-human hybrid who cured her blindness, I've got you there. Mm. If you want the wildest stories imaginable, the Our Strange Skies podcast, you can find it on damn near every podcasting platform, ourstrangeguys.com. We'll take you everywhere you want to go. I also have a uh, monthly webcomic that I do with my buddy Todd Purse. It's called Welcome UFO People. You can follow along on Twitter at Welcome UFO Peeps and on Instagram at Welcome UFO People. It's, uh, it's fun. It's, uh, we take uh, real-life close encounters, UFO cases, and stuff like that, and we turn them into comic book art so if that interests you go check that out yeah i'm gonna have links in the show notes to go directly to the places rob mentioned highly recommend everyone check it out and again if you want more alien shit on tennis podcast look at episode 66 and 76 covered alien stuff there as well rob before we go last thing give me your hottest hot take on aliens hottest 
hot take on aliens. Could be anything. I think the greys are, they're infertile, so they suck. They're the worst alien species oh. on the planet. There you go. That was hot. That's too hot for me to handle. So if a gray, if a female gray landed in your bedroom tonight and said, I've been sent here to mate with you, you'd say, I don't believe you. You're infertile. Exactly. And not only that, after that, <laughs> I would just turn over and go back to sleep. <laughs> no. There's a gray standing in your bedroom. You got to do something. No, I really don't. I have just shut it down for good. Grays don't know how to reproduce. They can't do it anymore. They were bad at it. That's the theory is that they need us for that. So no, sorry. Mm. Get out of my room. I'm not doing it. Yeah. And then when you're sleeping, they'll just steal your seed anyway. But maybe they'll be gentle enough that you won't even wake up. If that's not going to work, the only other thing is I'm going to look over and I'm going to say, don't wake me up and go back. <laughs> you know, what's more likely instead of a female gray showing up in your room saying I'm here to mate, the female gray is you're going to wake up and look at it and it's going to be holding up an Ikea instruction manual to build some God. fucking like bar stool or something. And you're like, God damn it. <laughs> We don't know how to do this. Please help us. <laughs> nobody. And does. you're like, I don't fucking know either, man. I don't. We. Nobody on Earth knows how to do this. Yeah, exactly. You got to find another planet. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You've got bigger problems. All right. Well, he's Rob Christopherson. Listen to the Our Strange Skies podcast. I want to thank everyone for listening to this episode 194 of Tennis Podcast. Next week, I'll be back with my friend Alex Johns. We're going to be talking video games. So make sure you check that out. Let me know what you thought of this episode. There is a weekly discussion thread on our subreddit at r slash tennis pod. And you can let us know your thoughts on this episode. All right. Until next time, we appreciate you. And don't let the aliens bite tonight at bed <laughs> or something. I don't know. I'm tired. Goodbye. Goodbye.